Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PPC Show brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. And I'm J.D. Prater. And today is December 14th, and we actually have 11 headlines this week. I think with the holidays coming and a lot of people heading out on vacation, everybody's trying to get the news out quick. So lots to go over, but we'll do it quick. Yeah, we uh, can do it. So first, let's, let's do some Google, some kind of very tactical Google stuff. Um, the first one I want to talk about is responsive search ads, actually because we're running these today and clicks marketing did a really good write-up of what they've been testing with responsive search ads. They ran three different tests. They published the results, kind of the TLDR on the test results where meh, they underperformed uh, extended or expanded uh, text ads and they underperformed even just normal uh, ads. So in their three tests and they show you how they set them up, they didn't perform that well. The other interesting thing was when you build a, responsive ad, they give you like a score to tell you how good it is, whether, uh, and the score is based on like how many headlines do you have in rotation and uh, I don't know, some other crap. And the one that had the excellent score ended up doing the worst. And in the later test, when they only did four, I think, headlines in the mix, you know, Google was saying, hey, add more and more headlines. And they didn't and actually got better results on that one. There's also some ad approval stuff mixed in there. It makes it more complicated. But if you've been thinking about or you're running them, I recommend a really quick read that clicks did. So responsive search ads. Nice. Um, and then there's another thing from Google that they introduced pay for conversions and display campaigns. This is pretty crazy that you can pay on a conversion in a display campaign. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who hasn't wanted that? I mean, display campaigns have always been the bane of my existence. I have never been great at display campaigns. I've, I've watched, Joe Martinez present on display campaign several times. I've taken all his tips. I have gone in, I've implemented all those things and I could still never get them to convert. So now you can maybe pay for those conversions rather than those clicks and maybe get better performance out of them. You need to be using target CPA and I assume you need to have a pretty hefty target CPA for these things to convert, you know, to get traffic, but uh, try it out. So if you're running display in your e-commerce and you could actually, you know, do conversion based, uh, you know, true kind of conversion measure your revenue. Go ahead, try it out. Google introduced that. More Google stuff. Um, actually, this one's kind of weird. The, the new video ad CTAs, it, it sounds like just a renaming of a very tiny difference of like one ad format to an extension. I don't know video enough to actually tell the difference between the two things. I don't know, do you? Yeah, I think the, the key is this, like they're refreshing it. It's gonna make it look a little bit better, right? So I think part of it is uh, a redesign. And then part of it is uh, like those call to actions you had to do individually on each video. So now if you just do an ad extension, you can apply that broadly across an ad group, across a campaign. So I think one of it is going to be easier for advertisers to adopt. Second part of that is it just looks a lot better. Um, looking at like their, their screenshots that they provide, um, it, it, I think it'll be a welcomed uh, redesign for it. I, I use YouTube and I have to say they assault you with ads. Like while I'm watching an ad, there's like overlays and things sliding in and out. And then when you start playing a video, like the top bar is other videos from the same channel, which I'm always like, I just started watching one video in your channel. Why are you trying to get me to leave instantly? They definitely need to simplify the ad experience on YouTube. I personally, that's what I think. No, you got in screens, you got overlays, you got CTAs. I mean, it's, there, there's a lot going on there. And I think one that's probably the marketer uh, not doing a great job of inserting those at the right time, but also uh, Google maybe just needs to tighten up those parameters. 
Right. Yeah, it's weird that it often, like you get a lot of the ads when you first start, start watching the video and you would think most users, that's the chance you're most likely to bounce. Uh, I get that marketers want to grab your attention while they have it and you're going to probably leave after a few seconds, but certainly spamming up the first few seconds doesn't make people more likely to stay, I think. So, and speaking of spam on YouTube, uh, <laughs> we've seen a lot of networks announce purges of bot users and spam accounts. Twitter did it, um, Facebook did it. Now, YouTube is also announcing that they are removing a ton of spammy accounts. And in fact, today, uh, yesterday and today, they said they're doing the big purge. So if you are a, a influencer and you just saw your YouTube channel's subscriber list plummet, then, you know, it's because you had a bunch of fake followers. So sorry you're not as popular as you thought, but also uh, don't worry, they weren't really watching your content anyway. So YouTube's doing that today. Um, oh yeah, speaking of YouTube, uh, Sundar, I think you say his name, Sundar, the CEO. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see you typing in our notes and flashing the text. Uh, he was in Congress. I mean, did you follow it? It was pretty hilarious, the whole Trump thing. Oh, my gosh. I, I, yeah, I watched the whole thing. It was during, like, PPC chat. So I had PPC chat up in one tab. I had, the, you know, this going on as well. I ended up, like, not participating because I just watched the, the congressional hearing the entire time. And I just... It just goes to show they don't know how the internet works. I get one point, you know, being asked about his iPhone and he's like, uh, Google does not make the iPhone. <laughs> like, you know, you just can't help but laugh. Yeah, that was, that was ridiculous. And then, but there is this kind of counter theory that the Congresswoman who was asking about, you know, when you Google idiot, you see images of Trump. She's a Democrat. She's from the Silicon Valley Congressional District. Um, so people were saying it was just a setup that really she knew what was going to happen and she just wanted to, you know, troll the president <laughs> in Congress in a congressional hearing. So if that's what she did, that was some pretty good use of uh, C-SPAN. Oh, man. Yeah, you got to love that. There was a really good uh, tweet about that one, too. It's like, you know, if you don't like because all, all we're doing is we're, we're sending signals to Google that this is important. Right. So you you can do like Google trends and see idiot and it just like spikes during this point. And of course there's Trump, right? And then everyone's clicking on it and everyone's laughing about it. So all those signals are telling Google, this is the most relevant result. Like they don't really care about the result. It, it's an algorithm. <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was truly amazing. I think it was uh, Rand, Rand Fishkin, yeah. formerly of Moz that had uh, a great little tweet about, you know, how this is just avalanche now consuming itself or a, that's not a good analogy, but you get the point. Um, so, yep, uh, Sundar, and I'm looking up how to pronounce his last name. It's, uh, where, oh, I just had it, now it just appeared. Su, Sundar, oh, Pichai, P-E-E, and then Chai, like Chai-T, Pichai. All right. Uh, so, and I love Sundar. I don't ever see him talk, he just seems so calm, and he's just so, looks so competent and smart. Yeah. You know, I look at Zuckerberg, it just something about him is like, eh, well, maybe because I watched the social network, that movie about how Facebook started. <laughs> so you just instantly start like, oh, he's ripped off some people and he's kind of an a hole and, you know, he doesn't care about people. So, yeah. Soon well, just I mean, chill. I, I think one thing I took away from this too is like, uh, to be CEO, you have to master the non answer. And that's something I'm not good at. I think they were to ask me like a question, I would give them the real answer. And in so doing, probably my company would bankrupt. And so, but his answers are always just like, uh, yeah, let me follow up with you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like this, 
there is no answer. Let me, let me talk around it in circles and never actually answer your question. Yeah, I used to be like wanting to get into politics until I actually worked on Capitol Hill and in, uh, in Congress for a while. And I realized I can't, it drives me crazy when people ask a simple question and then the answer is this just, it's, it's totally irrelevant. Like in, in the cases of you know, the Google CEO, he was not just irrelevant. He would skirt around it and deflect and I'll take care of it later. But sometimes in Congress, people are like, you know, how did you vote on Bill 17? And the guy's like, transportation is important to the future and I believe in clean transportation. <laughs> and you're like, what? It's like a bill to like, you know, put chimps in space or something. And they're like, just say whatever they want to get their sound bite. And it just like annoys me you know, to know. Chimps, chimps in space. That's where, that's what, that's where you went. Right? <laughs> you know, it's a Friday. We just had our holiday uh, white elephant. So uh, I might've had a drink or two. My brain is not firing on all cylinders. Oh man, that's good. All Chips right. in space. Uh, <laughs> search. So this is a nice little transition from search to uh, Facebook. Uh, then we'll talk about Uber. So let's not talk about Uber. Let's talk oh, about Facebook putting uh, in ads and search results. What do you think of this one? Like I, I'm, I'm underwhelmed. Like it, it was weird to me. So I, I'm just like watching reactions, right? Uh, more than anything else. And I think what I'm amazed by more than anything else is like how excited people get when Facebook does something like they're just like complete bandwagon people without really like critical. Don't get me wrong. They, they, they shared some like 2 billion searches, but like how relevant are those searches? Right. I mean, it, like I'm thinking about the intent of, of, of a search. Like the only time I'm searching is like Paul Wicker. Cause I couldn't find your profile. Right. Ad stage. Cause I'm trying to get to ad stage. Like I, I, I get why you'd want to put an ad there because again, it's more inventory in a space where there's not a lot of inventory, but and they tried this a couple of years ago. So I, I'm not down on it. I, I get it. I just like, well, I was like, meh. I remember Mead. I think this might've been the reason I actually met with Cheryl Sandberg back in 2000 and I don't even know, 2010. Uh, I was, she wasn't the Cheryl Sandberg of lean in and now getting pummeled in the media. But she knew the CEO of the company I was at from like business school or I don't know, some past deal they did because, you know, powerful, rich people. And we had a call and it was my CEO, her, uh, me, and then maybe like some VP of digital because I was just some low level guy. But I was the only person that really knew <laughs> digital search, you know, back in when nobody really knew what that was. Anyway, long story short, it's when Facebook was thinking about rolling out search results and like Facebook local and marketplaces. And we were trying to do some deal where we would power results and crap like that. So I, I was super excited about this about a decade ago. <laughs> and then it rolled out and like, no one used it. No one ever looks for a business on Facebook. Like you'd use Google Maps. That was kind of their hope. Because you're like, I want to go to a restaurant. I'm going to go to Facebook and type in local restaurants. And I'm going to see a list of restaurants and choose. Uh, so this is historically underwhelmed. I agree with you. Right now, the beta in US and Canada will just get you inventory as an advertiser, really for automotive and retail. And I think they don't say how much comes from search first marketplace, but anytime I've gone to marketplace, it, one of the things I notice a lot of is used cars. So I think people are using Facebook marketplaces to sell used cars and Facebook is saying, Hey, those auto folks, I mean, talk to Google and their partner program. They've got like a hundred agencies that do auto auto spends a ton of money. So I think it's a good move to try to monetize what is working in Facebook marketplaces and maybe search. And then, you know, if you can get some, some momentum, start moving more budget there. Yeah, or 
This one I think has more promise. I mean, Facebook watch, right? So you want to hop over and uh, we can tackle that one with, um, they shared some, they shared some stats around usage time, right? And how much time are people actually spending watching this? I I was like really surprised. And I, I think one thing I thought was interesting is they're saying 400 million users are watching at least one minute per month. And just clarify, sorry, real quick, because yeah. when you said Facebook Watch, I first thought of like Apple Watch, and I was like, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch. what is Facebook Watch? Yeah, that's like their, their, like their video platform, you know, where they're really trying to get, you know, TV shows, uh, original content, sports. Um, I think like Firefly is now one of them that they mention in there. But uh, anyway, I, again, there are, what, 2 billion people on there. Um, this is probably only available to probably like, not everyone on there. So let's just say even a billion people, let's say half, um, 400. And that's not bad. Um, but I think on the, what they were kind of sharing for the bright side numbers, there are 75 million users watching at least one minute per day. So the last stat I gave you was month. This is per day, 75 million people per day with a much more promising average of 20 minutes per day. So that's a lot of like actual video time, consumption time, people Spending time on Facebook, put right. ads in front of them. 400 million users on Facebook. Is that, I mean, that's more monthly active users than Snapchat, more monthly active users than Pinterest. Sure. I mean, that is a lot of users. Granted, yeah. they're only watching a minute a month. So that probably means they clicked on it and said, oh, what's over on this tab and saw some something and left. But certainly, I think there's a lot more inventory coming from Facebook watch than there is going to be from Facebook marketplaces would be my guess, but we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. Why don't Instagram? Yeah, we can do Instagram. We'll stay in Facebook land. Well, you added this one. I think it's, it's cute. It's a cute story. I thought, I thought you would like this one. That's the reason I added it. I know that you love Instagram. I know that you love those stories. And so now they have added a new countdown sticker. Uh, so countdown means just like it sounds, you can go in on your story, you can put in like a timer or something that's going to be, uh, basically working backwards to this time. So there's three hours left, five hours left. I think it's going to be fantastic e-commerce. You've got sales coming up. I think it's going to be a really good way to like get that sense of urgency in a story, right? So really, uh, stopping someone to watch your story and then seeing that and then taking action. So I, I actually think this is really smart. Yeah, this is an urgency machine. If, you're, if you've ever done any selling, you know that creating a sense of urgency is one of the keys to getting the sale done now rather than getting stuck on the list of somebody's to-dos that they never do. So this is a great way to do it. Add a little countdown. Sale ends Friday, to, you know, three minutes, 42 seconds. And I keep buying crap on Instagram, so this is so going to work on me. <laughs> don't, don't roll this out, Instagram. You can do product launch. So maybe the next ad stage product launch, you guys can use a countdown timer. Don't give me, don't tell Sahil, the CEO of AdStage that. The last thing I need is another <laughs> countdown timer until launch when, you know, we need to get the product ready and the website copy ready. And now we're doing press and I'm already stressed enough. I do not need to see a countdown in my story. Um, hey, so news, you had an article about newspaper. Yeah. I always think this is great. You know, I, I love Pew. Uh, they always put out some really uh, fascinating usage stats around like social platforms. And so uh, one thing that came out for this one is social media is outpacing print newspapers. So not, not like a huge surprise there. We've, we've heard, you know, the two maybe separately. We've heard print newspapers dying. We've heard social media is on the rise. 
And now we're seeing kind of like really for like that first time within Americans that one in five adults are saying that they are getting their news from social media and not from uh, print newspapers, which is about 16%. So it's outpacing, it's getting there. And that's, that's, you know, good and bad because that puts a lot of onus, in my opinion, on the platform, right? This is where we've seen a lot of those fake news crackdowns. We talked about this last week, uh, you know, with, with them going into the UK of what's going to happen. So uh, I'm interested to see how, how this plays out. And this, if you are under the age of 50, so they break it down by age groups. Mm-hmm. And basically over the age of 50, people still get news from the print newspaper. It's around 18% of, of people surveyed over the age of 50 say, Today, in 2000 and almost 19, they're still using a newspaper. If you get the 65 and over, 39%. So actually, we'll talk about TV too as part of this, but uh, outside of TV, so like social media or radio or a news website, like going online and checking news website, more people go to a newspaper if they're over 65 than any of those things. But the big winner is television. So in almost every age category, it's number one. So over the age of 30, it's pretty close to number one. And then as you get older, it just becomes clear number one. 18 to 29, it's kind of all over the place. But surprise, social media is number one and online news websites is number two. But so if you get over the age of 30, it really is still a traditional media world. And then 81% of even actually let's step back. If you're over the age of 50, 65% of them get their news from the television, from TV. And if yeah. that, that means like Fox News for a lot of those people. So if you wonder why Fox News is such a powerful force in the older demographic who are traditionally conservative, well, it's because 65, and if you get up to 65 years old, 81% of them are getting their news from television. It's, I mean, even like local news stuff. I mean, going back to Oklahoma, I mean, uh, I mean, like my dad knows the weather comes on at like the eight minute mark within, right? So it's like 508, time for weather. You know what I mean? Like he's got to watch that weather. So yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) Crazy. Well, on the opposite side of the spectrum, total innovation and new crap, you have Uber. So there was some uh, announcement, I don't know if it was announcement, but the, what is he, the senior director and head of Eats, Stephen Chow, he said, quote, one of the things we've been experimenting with is allowing retailers to create promotions and show them within the product. So promotions is another word for ads. So it looks like ads are coming to Uber. Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of those things where uh, I, I see this being really good. I think it's going to compete more with Yelp. Uh, but I think this, this one will be a little bit tricky because, I again, you have to have the usage of Uber Eats, right? So you have to open that app. How often are you opening it like every day? Like, are you really ordering food every day? Or is this like once a week and you're seeing those ads? So I'm a little skeptical on like how much revenue this is actually going to drive. But I do think that once you do open it, the ads will be very effective. Yeah, about two, whenever Uber was testing Uber Eats, they were doing it here in San Francisco. And I, maybe once a week, I was trying it, you know, it was pretty neat, but the food quality was mediocre. It was below what you would get if you just walked to the restaurant. And in downtown San Francisco, there's like 40 restaurants within two blocks. Yeah, I don't need to wait and have someone drive and sit in traffic and then park and be annoyed because they're going to get a ticket. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I did not have a great Uber Eats experience. I think it's for a city like San Francisco or New York city. It's probably not super great. I, I can see how people might use it for dinner. It's kind of like a competitor to um, whatever it is that everybody uses to order food uh, for dinner. Uh, what is it? Postmates. Like a uh, Postmates competitor where like there's less traffic and, 
options and you're lazy because you're watching Facebook watch. But anyway, I, I didn't love Uber Eats, but apparently it's doing super well in India. And in India, they've been testing this uh, where, you know, you get a little discount for Uber customers. You know, Uber works out a deal with the merchant to give a discount. And that promotes people to use that restaurant over the other restaurants in Uber. Because as you imagine, when you open Uber Eats, you get a li list of restaurants to choose from. Um, and there's one other point I want to make. Uh, you know, I always wonder with these promotions, especially with SMBs and restaurants, like their margins are super thin. And I don't know how they make any money when they do these promotions where they actually discount their, you know, $8 lunch even more. Yeah, I think on that one, they're going to have to like work to maybe like fee delivery fee i think there's that's where they're going to have to kind of figure that one out but like discounting the food that one's going to be tough I, i'm with you on that one yeah i remember groupon always had this pitch too about how the merchant makes money because they're going to become repeat customers or at least some percentage will become repeat customers and you know groupon obviously their stock tanked years ago and they kind of uh, disappeared from the tech scene but they're still around and they're still producing revenue and they're still driving people to small businesses but Certainly the hype around them originally was built around that message of like SMBs are savvy. So they'll like do these Groupons on their off hours when they need to get more business or with extra inventory. No, they're not. They're SMBs. They struggle to just take care of all the crap they need to every day. So they're just going to set this thing up and it's going to run because they're like, Ooh, more customers is good. Even though they're losing money on every customer that, that maybe uses Uber Eats. Okay. Anyway. And, and rant. Uh, <laughs> I, well, yeah, I used to be <clears throat> all into the, the group buying space back in the day. Uh, two more. Uh, AppNexus, this is a quick one. Uh, I, I don't really know display either. All I know is AppNexus published their rate is 8.5%. That's their fee. And they've like done this thing where they've negotiated contracts with any of the people in AppNexus. Not any of them, most of them. 82% actually in North America of the transactions on AppNexus. You can actually now see the fee that you are you know, kind of paying to these technology tools that sit in the middle of the display transaction. So I think really good move to bring transparency to display. I'm all for it. Anytime you can bring it uh, more transparency, I'm all for it. So I'm really glad to see them, um, you know, re reworking those, those contracts, you know, me do it up. But one thing I thought was really uh, interesting with this one was uh, their biggest partner is Microsoft. I, I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Didn't, and Ad, they were bought by someone too, AppNexus. I think they're owned by Yahoo. Or, um, he, I thought, was AT&T? AT yeah. Yeah, you're right, AT&T. AT&T, that's one you need to keep an eye on for 2020. True. Well, AppNexus is actually really interesting because I remember when I was at Kenshi, we were like dis deciding to if we should build a display product because, you know, we were doing really well in search and we had built social. They since went Amazon and like shopping. But at the time we were like, hmm, what do we do with display? And AppNexus has built this like very open API, very transparent. It's, you know, completely programmatic. So there's no old school like, oh, you want my inventory? You got to pay me up front for, you know, this many impressions that you'll never be able to verify. So we really liked AppNexus from a technology standpoint. And it seems like they've really over time positioned themselves as like the Google <laughs> of display. Uh, so if you don't just want Google GDN, it's like AppNexus is where you go to get display inventory. And most of the people you buy display inventory from, like the networks, are almost all in AppNexus. And they're just like white labeled versions of AppNexus that maybe have a little bit of inventory that they own themselves. But very commonly, it's just like white labeled AppNexus. Gotcha. Uh, 
All right. The last, did you read the tech trends of, of these 14 charts from your buddies at Recode? Uh, <laughs> I, he's giggling because he was once kind of misquoted in Recode and it made us look pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Move on, move on. Thankfully, Cambridge Analytica happened the very next week. That's true. Facebook had much bigger problems because it might have been a comment about Facebook. Um, in here, well, speaking of Facebook, I know one of the ones that did not surprise you was Facebook. What what were the big uh, 2018 trends you were interested in? Um, I think the biggest one that I thought was um, interesting, right, was which of the following companies do you trust the least with your personal information? Who do you think it is? Who do you think wins number one, Paul? <laughs> I mean, it's... It's not, so Facebook is the obvious answer. It's the scale. It's the how far in first place they were that blew me away. Yeah, they um, so they they definitely won. You know, first place. They got almost forty percent of people uh, don't trust Facebook. Twitter was second with eight percent. I was actually surprised to see Amazon that high up at seven point seven because I haven't had any issue with Amazon and the data that they use. If anything. I, I would actually argue they've done a great job of using my data to serve me better products and get me stuff quick. Anyway, um, all the way down to Netflix, Netflix at less than 1%. Yeah. It's also funny. Tesla is on here because we don't really yeah, think of them as everything. Everybody else on here is kind of a consumer tech company. And then Tesla is largely automobile manufacturing, but you know, they do have quite a bit of interactive UI in their products. So I guess people who, or just people think Elon Musk is evil and they think that he's going to steal your personal information. But I was very surprised to see Tesla on that list. Yeah. But I mean, that, that, that was another trend though, was their, their stock price going up and down. I, I mean, so whenever the SEC basically got on to Musk, kicked him out, their stock dropped below $260. And now it's already above 360. You could have made $100 per stock. I, I didn't think it would go up that fast, and it did. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Elon is great at trolling the SEC. He basically, every time they try to punish him, you know, and the stock takes a hit, he goes on Twitter and is like, they're a bunch of idiots. We're going to be fine. We're going to do great. And then the stock goes back up. And then, you know, he did the old 420 as the price, uh, funding <laughs> secured, the famous funding secured tweet. And then stock shot up and then SEC, you know, cracked down, stock came back down. And then, like you said, you wait a little bit, stock's right back up. So if it does make it to 420 bucks, I mean, it, you haven't heard from all these Tesla short sellers that used to be all over Twitter nonstop. Short Tesla, they're not going to hit their production numbers. They're not going to be profitable. They're going to be out of business. And here we are rolling into 2019. And if you put your money in any of those Tesla short sellers, you probably lost it. So yeah. probably a bad move. Electric cars, though. Did you see that one? Yeah, I mean, Tesla is, uh, yeah, the electric car industry is booming and Tesla is pretty much leading. I think there's something like triple or quadruple uh, the Prius or whatever Toyota is making in the electronic category, electric category. Yeah, it was uh, killer. I mean, they had almost like 200,000 uh, plug-in EV electric vehicle sales last year. This year, already over 300,000 with the fit, and it's 50%. I, I actually bought one, Paul. Do you know that? No. What do you, I you have got like, the leaf? I have the Leaf. That's right. The, the cheap version that is uh, everywhere in California. So you can buy them very cheap here. <laughs> well, I, and there's a credit. Did you take advantage of the tax credit that you can take advantage of until the end of this year? 
Um, I did not. So I did not buy it new. I bought it used. Um, and so got it used, but still got a great deal on it. And I just basically commute to Cora. I charge it there and commute back. It works yeah. Out. It's amazing not having gas. I have my uh, girlfriend has a Prius that gets like 90 miles to a gallon or something. Cause we drive around town and it's, we fill it. It's got this teeny tiny little gas tank. We fill it up like every month. It's, and then I feel, I have a mini Cooper, which are like, Oh, that's gas efficient. But even that it's, it's turbo manual transmission. So I fill up my tank. It's like 50 bucks. And then she's like eight gallons. And it's like, she's got a 20 in her pocket. Yeah, that's all I need. Uh, <laughs> let, definitely changing the world. Let me set you up for this one. Uh, how about Bitcoin? Well, when we were talking about the, <laughs> the crash of the Tesla stock and how short sellers like, you know, just swindled money out of everyone. Bitcoin. Oh my goodness. So Bitcoin was up to like 8,000 or 10,000. And now it's back down to like, 1200. I think it lost something like 80% of its value. Most of those other secondary coins, like all tanked. So I had, a, I had a few friends that were just would not shut up about Bitcoin. And, you know, we held on to our Bitcoin and we made all this money and then got all these other people excited about Bitcoin who bought when it was high and now they lost all their money. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's been a rough ride. If you got on the Bitcoin bandwagon in 2018, of course, if you were buying it back in the day, you're still a millionaire and, you know, good yeah. job. But if you did not, and you wrote, again, if you were on Twitter, listening to all those crypto kitties telling you to buy Bitcoin and buy Ethereum and buy all this stuff, and you dumped five grand into buying a few Bitcoin, and then it tanked and you lost uh, quite a bit of money. I am sorry, but that is the, that is a trend in 2018. Let's, uh, let's knock out two more. Let's do Fortnite and chatbots. Uh, why don't you do chatbots? I'll do Fortnite because, you know, let's be honest. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it other than YouTube and watching dancing for my nephews. Anyway, uh, <laughs> chatbots. Uh, really surprised at this one. So if you have read like any 2019 digital marketing trends, chatbots is going to be on there. Even though, Paul, we had one in 2017, just saying. Uh, we're ahead. Ask ad stage. Ask ad stage. Anyway. Um, so it's a trend, right? People are talking about it there. Maybe there are people just slow to adopt it. However, uh, there's been a uh, new research conducted by, uh, is it Acquia? Is that how you say that? Yeah, sure, close sure. enough. But basically it found that uh, consumers, uh, about 45% of consumers describe their own experience with chatbots as annoying. And 78% of respondents dismiss the technology as too impersonal. So I'll, I'll give my, you know, quick summary here is marketers are not doing a great job with it is really what it comes down to. In my opinion, I still maintain it's fantastic for customer service. I think once you become a customer, moving that relationship over into chat is really like, that's where it is. That's where it holds. But marketers in sales have not figured out how to use it for lead gen, even though Drift has built an entire business on conversational marketing. But anyway, I'm still skeptical. Yeah, even on the customer success side, you know, Intercom has a really good kind of chatbot. But most people who get the chatbot responses just instantly ignore it. Once they see it's a chatbot, they just don't respond. So I think people also have figured out the chatbot's not actually going to answer my question. It's going to throw a few generic FAQs at me, and it doesn't understand what I really need. So we're, I think we're still a little bit of ways around the chatbot being good enough that it's actually useful. And once it's useful, sure, I'll interact with it. Like I use Alexa. She's essentially a chatbot. I use her every now and then to turn on lights or music or something. 
that's what she's good for. Anything beyond that, it's I try to order something using Google, whatever. Okay, Google, Google Home, Google Now, and it was like, you know, took me four tries, and I was like, I'll just write it down. <laughs> it sounds like me trying to use Cortana. <laughs> yeah, they're all the. I think they're all the same. Um, so it's funny you mentioned Fortnite because on the news today, breaking news. Did you see Michelle Obama was doing a Fortnite dance with a bunch of kids at like some book reading ceremony with Santa? I did. I, 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 I watched it because again, uh, why wouldn't I watch that? And then I, I, don't, I don't know what that dance means. I don't know how you get it. I don't know anything other than it's a Fortnite dance and she was doing it with, and Santa had zero moves. <laughs> yeah, Santa started like he, he couldn't get his hands going in the right direction. Like you could tell he was you know, struggling with the coordination, but he had a few good kind of reps of the move. Uh, and it was just nice to see something, not even that presidential, but just see someone who was, is presidential doing something nice. And it doesn't make me cringe and there's no lawyers or lawsuits involved. So I think it was just a nice little trip down memory lane. Oh uh, man. Well, go ahead, go ahead on your fortnight. And then I, I, I want to wrap up a 2018 thought I had today. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, Fortnite, it's quick. Basically, if you do play video games, there's this new game mode called Battle Royale, which is when they put a bunch of players, say like 100 players in a ring. And then the ring, in this case, get in, in Fortnite, it gets smaller over time. So it kind of forces people to interact more. And the last one standing is the one who wins the game. Hmm. And this game mode is like showing up in all these different games that were already popular. So they took games that were popular like League of Legends and just recently they added oh like a battle royale mode and it's now taking over gaming. That's not interesting if you don't care about gaming. What is insane is that Fortnite in one month did 318 million dollars in revenue. It's a free to play game. You don't pay money to play. You only play you only pay to buy skins or unlock maybe dances. I'm not even sure because I don't play Fortnite, but um that is 318 million. If you do an annual run rate, that's almost $4 billion of revenue based on selling virtual skins and unlocking items that don't affect gameplay. So the gaming industry is just blowing minds. Jeez, I know. That's, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. That is so much money. <laughs> it's what people used to say about movies, like when these like, you know, Star Wars and these like, big blockbusters came out and people would be like, how did Titanic make a billion dollars or you know, those top grossing movies? And now we're, we don't care anymore. And now it's video games. Video games make $4 billion a year and people are like, what? That's crazy. Uh, but I bet we'll all be used to it in a few years. But all right, I want to hear your big prediction here. It's not, I mean, I guess it's more of an uh, observation, right? And I, I think I'm trying to like, somewhat compare the two, but this is going to sound off the wall. And that's maybe why. So Facebook is like Trump. There you go. There's your like, what? I have your attention. But I think they're just so like riddled with scandals. And yet we, we can't, we can't get rid of them, right? Like we, we, we just can't let go of Facebook, like another breach, like another, you know, breach today, almost, you know, 7 million people. But it's like, it's becoming their MO, right? It's like once a month now. They've had so many this last year. And yet I can only think of like people are not going to give up on it. Their network effect is way, way too strong in order for people to delete the app, to you know, delete Facebook. They're going to stay on it even though all this is happening. And it just kind of reminds me of, you know, like every Trump scandal every week. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, still going to support him. He's my guy, you know? And it's like, wow, like 
I don't know. I, I just wonder what, what is it going to take, you know, for, um, for people? I don't know. I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know either. He can, he's not my guy. So it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes, but I can imagine if like you're talking, like if you're a big Obama person and, and sure. he was going through scandal after scandal and you were like, I just can't, I just can't quit you, Obama. Right. <laughs> those people are, I just can't quit you, Trump slash Facebook. Uh, yeah. we'll, well see. Yeah, I guess I guess part of that one. So sorry, I'm going to go into the politics. You can just delete this part out too if it doesn't make it. Uh, it's like where, where, where he he made, he made the comment. It's like what it was something like you know I could I I could stand in the middle of the road and shoot someone and I would still be elected you know president or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to jail, something like that. And I just feel kind of that way for Facebook. They've become so big and they've become such a strong network that they can like go through what they have been through and come out virtually unscathed. Yeah. I, it does sometimes feel like there's a collective apathy in just the world we live in today where people, it's, you can't shock them anymore. They're not going to get outraged. Like you, people will pretty much let anyone get away with anything. So right. Trump can say whatever he wants and people, it's that, you know, normalization or hyper normalization thing that kind of made the round on the web where we're just now so used to stuff that used to outrage us that it doesn't outrage us and we just accept it. So Facebook just does terrible things with your data and takes advantage of uh, you as a consumer. We're just like, yep, that happens. Oh, well, it's, uh, I don't know what it takes to, to break you out of that cycle. I put myself in that category too. I didn't leave Facebook. I'd, all those photos I have. What am I going to do with all those old photos? All right. Sorry, Facebook. We're really beating you up today. Uh, if you want more headlines and to listen to us beat up Facebook, we used to beat up Twitter. So it's a little different. Now we beat up Facebook. Let's see who we beat up in 2019 since I think we'll try to do a podcast, but all the holidays, I'm not entirely sure we'll get one out. So this might be our last podcast for 2019. If you want more, head over to blog.adstage.io. You can sign up for the newsletter, which will go out. And it now includes a link to this lovely podcast. So that is all we have for you, everyone. Enjoy your week. 